This is what we read. Righteous are you, O Yahweh, and upright are your judgments. In righteousness you have commanded your testimonies, and in exceeding faithfulness. My zeal has consumed me because my adversaries have forgotten your words. Your word is exceedingly refined. Therefore, your slave loves it. I am small and despised, yet I do not forget your precepts. Your righteousness in an everlasting right is an everlasting righteousness, and your law is truth. Trouble and anguish have found me, yet your commandments are my delight. Righteous are your testimonies forever. Give me understanding that I may live. Let's pray. Father, always a comfort to come to your word. Lord, in whatever we have uh, going on in our life, here we come back to truth. Um, a truth that uh, convicts us, and that Lord, Lord shows us our true heart um, before you, shows us our need of you, humbles us, and Lord prepares us to be able to walk in life uh, that you have provided. Uh, Lord, these things are undeserved, and they're a mercy that we cannot understand. Uh, and so, Lord, help us to steward it all rightly. And so, as we come to your word this morning, help us to understand. Uh, Lord, to be able to come with an utmost seriousness, soberness, uh, thankfulness, uh, and an understanding, Father, of, of who you are. Uh, this is your word, um, and help us not to detach that from that very simple fact. Uh, so, Lord, use this morning's study uh, to conform us uh, more into your image, uh, which is truth. We thank you. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right. Well, we didn't quite finish um, last time. It was the, the man who treasures Christ. As I looked over it, we pretty much covered the sentiment of it all. And so I think we only had one main section left. So we're just going to move on uh, in the interest of doing what I, I can't do on Sunday morning. Uh, keep going. Um, and so we're going to look at a man who speaks truth, which is page 42 um, in your booklets if you have them. If you don't have one, um, we got some there on the back table. Um, so some of this is very similar to what we've been going on. In fact, you can see point one, recognize your status in Christ. Um, he has our, our verse there, Ephesians 4, uh, 17 uh, through 25. And so we'll begin with that just because the Lord is sovereign and clearly he wants us to read it one more time. Uh, and so follow along with me if you've got your Bible, starting in Ephesians 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 17. Paul says, therefore, and actually, hey, it'll sound slightly different. I'm reading the LSB, and Sunday morning is ESV. So therefore, this I say, and testify in the Lord, that you walk no longer, just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their mind, alienated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you heard him and were taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus. To lay aside in reference to your former conduct the old man which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and to put on the new man which is in the likeness of God, which has been created in righteousness and holiness. And I think this is a little more clearly translated here. It's, it says, of the truth. Um, and now you're ready for the transition here in verse 25. Therefore, 
laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Um, obviously, he's using this because of the emphasis on truth. Now, even if you were to go back through and, and look at what the Gentiles do, I mean, it is basically, to sum it up, a lifestyle that is based upon a lie, that's based upon deceit. Um, you did not learn that in Christ, and so we're still in the flesh, which means there's still going to be certain elements of what we do, and certainly when we're sin, these types of things, behaviors, words, they can be deceitful, they can be based upon lies. No, and he's saying you didn't learn that in Christ. You've got to put that off. The way we put that off, or one way we put that off, is speaking truth to one another. And maybe just as a beginning, uh, one of the things that I've been trying to communicate on Sunday morning is just the need for the body of Christ and each of our need uh, to be able to have people who can speak the truth. Um, and I can tell you there's only one way that's going to happen. There were so many years in my life where it did not happen at all. And there's a reason it didn't happen. I didn't want it. <laughs> I didn't want it. I, I, I didn't go ask people. I, I can remember in, in seminary there were certain guys uh, who were very purposeful, and they would go up to people um, who were over them and say, hey, I just want you to just be honest. Tell me exactly what you thought about the sermon that I just preached uh, tell me where you see things are off. And, and I remember thinking, I don't know that I could do that. That's just not me. It didn't seem sincere at, at that time. Um, but I, I've come to, since then, appreciate, um, just because of where the Lord's brought me, people who will come and just be honest with you. Um, and being able to open yourself up to that. The more that you, in those interactions, can be thankful for what they're aiming to do. Maybe sometimes they're a little off. Hey, yeah, here's one thing you could say. They bring something to you. You can say, well, I'm glad you didn't know everything about my life. There's a lot more you could have said, um, but take it and learn from it. And so essentially, what are you trying to get to in all these conversations? When you have someone give you feedback on a conversation, feedback on a lesson you taught or, or whatever, what is it you're trying to get to? You're trying to get to truth. And if everybody can come to the table with that understanding of something that pleases Christ, you've got an ability to grow. And the body of Christ has been given in such a way as a tool speaking the truth to one another so that we can grow up, uh, put off the old self, which is still aimed at deceit and lies, um, and put on the new self, which he says right here has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Um, and so... At the end of the day, that's what we're all aiming at. And that's essentially the kinds of things that he's saying here um, under point one. Uh, that this is all at a heart level, this struggle. And one way that we can overcome that is to humble ourselves um, and to be thankful for the body of Christ as they come to, to speak truth to you. Um, and make it not about yourself. It's not about you. It's about Christ. It's about learning Christ. It's about pleasing Him. When you do that, hey, you're covered by the blood of Christ. So anything that might be hard to hear, you're covered by the blood of Christ. Uh, you're being conformed into His image. So it opens you up to be able to hear those kinds of things or give those kind of things in love. So that's point one. Recognize your status in Christ. If you recognize that, you're covered by the blood. 
um, then essentially what it does is it opens you up to be able to hear things that might be hard um, but true so that you can grow in that way. Second, gird up your loins with truthfulness. Gird up your loins with truthfulness. This comes from Ephesians 6.14, where Paul, in a very famous passage, actually we can start here in verse 10, on the arm of God, he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the might of His strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world forces of darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day, having done everything, stand firm, stand firm, therefore, having girded up your loins with the truth. Girded up your loins with the truth. All the the loose ends, everything tied together with the truth of God. So, of course, the picture here is of the man of God um, arrayed in all of the battle gear, standing firm against our adversary, who is an accuser, a slanderer, a liar, uh, who would love to lead us astray. And the way that we resist that temptation um, is not necessarily to, the Bible doesn't describe it as us going forward in attack, but standing firm, feet planted, um, resisting the temptation. And we do that by girding up our life, our mind in this, which means we've got to know this. Jesus, when he responded to the temptation of the devil, what did he do? Every single time he responded with the word of God. And this is where we stand firm. Now, what are some things that would open you up to attack? Well, if you've got a lot of sin going on in your life, Satan's got an open door. Or, for example, in, we'll look at this in a couple of weeks on Sunday morning, uh, Ephesians 4.26, Be angry, do not sin, do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. Uh, when you let anger or bitterness continue, then right here you can grab that chair and pull it up for Satan. You're giving him an opportunity at the table of your life. Um, or if, if you're a hypocrite, what are you, you're supposed to be a man of the truth, which is going to require you to speak the truth. Well, it's really hard to speak the truth to someone else about a sin if you've got that sin going on in your life. You don't want to be exposed. How could you expose them? Um, and so being a man who's opened up his life to the truth, to the light, enables you to stand firm in the truth and to walk in the truth. Now, this truth that we're standing firm in is not just simply knowledge of God. So I I know the Word. I know what it says about repentance, faith, God. I'm I'm reformed and and all of that. Um, You you know, we're we're Calvinists with our swords out. We could fight everybody. Okay, there's a place for knowing things. But the kind of truth that we're talking about is a truth that resides, what David says, you delight in truth in my inward being. Behold, this is what you delight in, which means this is taking rest in our heart. We love it. Uh, there's a clear conscience. There's, everything is just exposed before the Lord. That's what you delight in, a pure heart that loves the Lord. There's no hypocrisy inside or outside. That's what you love, and that's what I want to walk in. 
And that's the kind of truth that we're talking about. It is a sincere, to use a word that the, the Puritans used often, it's a sincere truth. It's wholehearted uh, in that way. When you do that, now we're back to the other passage we've looked at several times on Sunday morning. Then you're able, Zechariah 8.16, to speak the truth to your neighbor. Or that passage also goes on, I haven't made much comment about this, but it talks about rendering true judgments. Um, and as I've thought about Matthew 18 over the past few Sundays, one thing that I thought is just amazing, where Paul makes the comment, and it's almost like an offhanded comment in some ways, that the righteous one day will judge the angels. And it's like, what on earth does that mean? Like, could you explain that a little more? What is that going to be like? Um, but one thing you see throughout Scripture is we're required to judge ourselves. First, we judge ourselves, right? There's a the self-discipline. Then discipline in the church comes from judgments. But what does it take to do that? You have to judge truly based upon the Word of God. Judge yourselves, judge others. And, and one day that will be so perfect that in some sense, whatever this means, we have a place in, in judging the angelic realm. Um, and so this is something that the Lord is building us into, has created us for, uh, to be able to walk in the truth, to know the truth, and to judge according to the, the truth. Uh, and so, hey, we need to start practicing this, doing this um, as much as we can. Now, when you're making judgments like Zachariah's talking about, rendering true judgments. Uh, these could have been legalistic. These could have been uh, things that happened within the body, right? Um, but that requires a lot of wisdom, um, a ton of wisdom uh, that can be from life experience, uh, that can be from knowing what you, you can't go beyond and, and hey, I, I can't go there, I can't judge as hard or whatever, but this, you know, there's a lot of wisdom bound up in this, which means there's a ton of prayer um, bound up in it. Now, you know this even within your own family as you're trying to help your, your kids and move them in the right direction. There's a ton of prayer uh, that's required. And what a wonderful thing to pray according to the will of the Lord. This is what he loves. Um, a couple of things that Zechariah says, these are true judgments that are made for peace. And so these aren't judgments that are made for, hey, dad's right, <laughs> uh, you're wrong, or whatever, my way or the highway. Uh, these are judgments aimed at peace uh, within the family, your own family, the family of God, wherever that may be. Again, a ton of wisdom, needs a lot of prayer. Uh, not devising any sort of evil in your heart, you've got to have a clear conscience, not loving a false oath, you're a man of your word, so there's no private agendas, you're not hiding things, you're not trying to manipulate uh, the situation, and in some sense, just... Do a little study on yourself just for this week. Uh, see if you ever say anything to your, to your wife or to anyone else that maybe is a little bit manipulative. Um, and I can tell you, I've done that study before, and yeah, it happens. Uh, and if you got a wife like mine, she'll call you on it. <laughs> uh, we do these kind of things, and, and we got to be honest with it to be able uh, to deal with it. Also, to see truth is something that brings blessing. Uh, Proverbs 12 says this, that the truthful are blessed forever. Uh, the Lord looks on those uh, who are truthful, whereas He hates the opposite. They are an abomination uh, to Him. So we're walking in 
the truth, girding up our loins. Uh, guard against gossip. Guard against gossip. This is an inter- interesting one that he put in here, right? Because one of the arguments for gossip is, hey, it's true. Um, I can say it. Um, but <laughs> while I understand what they're saying, the one problem with that is truth is beyond just it being true. True is based upon the Word of God. So what the Lord describes as truth is truth. And, and therefore, um, if gossip um, is using true information in a way that would put a person in a bad light, ruin a relationship, spread things beyond what the Lord says we should be, uh, then that's a false way of living. Um, it's a false way of living. We all do it. Uh, there, there's no pointing the finger, right? Um, but again, it just brings us back to that reality that this is the standard, and at the end of the day, uh, we've got to bow to that standard um, as far as what the Lord has said is true. And so that's a destructive kind of dishonesty or even honesty, um, a spreading of rumors that belittle someone's, uh, obviously can make you feel better. Talks about, you know, Proverbs 18:8 says that these are delicious morsels, these whisperings. So these are things that we all love to eat in our flesh, and we've got to put that, put that away. Um, the way we do that is it's not about us, it's about the Lord. Now you turn over to Proverbs chapter 6. The goal is to get through this. We're going to try to move this, move through this. So Proverbs 6, chapter, or verse 12. Uh, yeah, here we are. We're talking about a man of wicked speech. And I, and I would encourage all of you, I mean, I just, uh, you know, I just turned 40 a couple weeks ago, you know, and uh, the older I get, like, the more I just come, I just love Proverbs. <laughs> uh, it's just so true. Um. This is what he says about a, a vile person. A vile person, a wicked man, is the one who walks with a perverse mouth. Uh, this is a crooked mouth, a deceitful mouth, uh, all these kinds of things. Winks with his eyes, signals with his feet, points with his fingers. Uh, so there's a craftiness uh, going on here. Uh, it may not seem like a lie, uh, but at the end of the day, there's a deceit behind the words. He's trying to being completely honest, he's trying to get somewhere with it. Uh, who with perversity in his heart, and again, there's, there's the thing, uh, right there. I was trying to explain to someone the other day just the idea, uh, we, we made a visit to someone uh, who is in prison, and trying to explain that it's not circumstances that lead to stuff, and just said, hey, you're walking with a hot cup of coffee, and I bump you, what comes out is the hot cup of coffee. It's the same way. It's not the circumstances. It's, it's your heart um, that creates these issues. And we've got to own up to that. And this is what he's saying. It's perversity in his heart with that. That's, that's the problem. He continually devises evil. That's why he keeps doing it. He continually spreads contentions. And therefore, his disaster will come suddenly. Un- instantly, he will be broken and there will be no healing. Six things which Yahweh hates, even seven which are an abomination to him. Transgender, homosexuality, he doesn't say that, does he? (laughs) Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, 
hands that shed innocent blood. Some of these are things we might expect, a heart that devises wicked thoughts. Um, that one hurts because that's all of us at times. Feet that hasten to run to evil. A false witness who breathes out lies. And one who spreads strife amongst the brothers. And so much of this that the Lord hates and what Solomon's trying to put before us has to do with this idea um, of deceit in our hearts, which comes out in our mouth. Um, that can take several different forms. Again, the Lord has the standard, and that's what we uh, bow to. And so manipulative tactics, perverse speech, not being completely upfront. Uh, these are all things the Lord hates, and we have to do our best to uh, put them off uh, within the body of Christ and our own families. Fifth, be diligent uh, to keep a clear conscience. Be diligent to keep a clear conscience. How, how do you keep a clear conscience? You walk in the light. Another way to say that is you walk in the truth. When you sin and you sin and this sin is unknown, and you're not willing to confess that, you're con continuing to walk in that sin, essentially what you're doing because you're giving off the impression that you're not this type of person is you're lying. You're lying. Um, you don't have a clear conscience. And again, as we talked about standing firm before Satan, if you don't have a clear conscience, uh, you can't help others in the body of Christ, and, and you certainly can't speak the truth with much authority. And so we want to seek to keep a clear conscience. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Uh, this is an important little section. Uh, Paul writes, Therefore do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes, who will bring both to light the things hidden in the darkness and make manifest the motives of the heart, and then each one's praise will come to him from the Lord. That's an interesting verse for him to put in here because Paul is essentially defending himself. Um, and one of the ways that he defends himself is, hey, my conscience is clear. And yet, this is important, verse 4, I'm not aware of anything, my conscience is clear, yet I'm not by this acquitted. But the one who examines me is the Lord. So what is it that brings a clear conscience? I mean, you, you could have a, a mobster who has a clear conscience because his standard is so far off. What brings a clear conscience? It is walking in the fear of the Lord. It's understanding that there's probably a lot of things in my life where I shouldn't have a clear conscience. But as I continue to walk before the Lord, the light of who He is opens me up to the reality, and you're wanting to come to reality. And that's where, you know, David, when he writes about the Lord's omniscience, uh, you know, even before a word has come off my tongue, you have known it. He's writing about God's omniscience. He says at the end, search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my thoughts. See if there's any, I'm not aware of anything, but see if there's anything offensive in me and, and lead me in the way everlasting. What is that prayer? That's a prayer of truth. I want truth to reign in my life. I want to walk with you, is what he's saying. So Paul understands this, even before those who are bringing charges, he even lets them know, hey, I might have something that I'm not aware of. Um, and the Lord you know, will one day show me that. He's the one that makes manifest uh, the motives of the heart. And so 
we need to come with that understanding. And that leads into 6. Um, and he says, respond rightly to those who are deceptive towards you. Respond rightly to those who are deceptive towards you. Uh, my guess is Jerry Rag is probably writing, uh, keeping such things as m- in mind as what Paul had here. You know, someone may be judging his motives. Um, there could be someone who he feels is being deceptive about how they're bringing things, or whatever that is. And the Lord using that in his life to show him how to respond to that. And so that's interesting, the verse he chose. You can turn over to Psalm 4, uh, verse 4. Psalm 4, verse 4. My translation says this, Tremble and do not sin. Ponder in your heart upon your bed and be still. Tremble and do not sin. I think what he's bringing out here is we don't respond to those that we feel have been unfair or whatever or unkind, but we want to respond in a way that's before the Lord. So we don't tremble before them. Don't respond in accordance to them. We respond in accordance to the Lord. And we're trembling, Father, do not allow my tongue to be provoked to speaking in a way that would uh, ultimately bring disgrace upon me and sin against you. One way that we can do that is just to ponder the truth uh, in our hearts upon our bed and to be still. Uh, to be slow to speak, to be silent, to calm your soul. And when these kind of things start to happen, there is a real carefulness in your words um, and your motives, and you got to check yourself. Okay, what I'm about to say, is this to prove myself right? Or is, is this to show love and honor before the Lord? Um, if you have a clear conscience, you do that, but you also understand, hey, could be wrong. I'm a sinner as well. And so there's a right way to respond. And I think that's what he's uh, bringing out here. And of course, the righteous, what do they have? They have peace. If you're doing this, that's what you want. You want peace uh, for everyone within the body of Christ. And so walking in accordance with truth will help you to do that, uh, even when you feel like you've been misrepresented in some way. And then last, uh, always be aware that you bear the name of Christ. And so, hey, there may be some things that you could say that are truthful or that you feel like you have the right to say, but, hey, is this right before the Lord? Um, is this going to be helpful uh, as people know that I am one that's carrying the banner of Jesus Christ? Um, he says in verses 3-5 through five of Ephesians chapter 5, But sexual morality or impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints nor filthiness and foolish talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather the giving of thanks. For this you know is certainty that no one sexually immoral or impure or greedy who is an idolater or has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. I think what he's trying to bring out here is that there may be some things that we have the right in one sense to say. Um, we're free to say that. But one 
big concept in walking in truth is that we're walking in the truth together. And so we're careful as to how what we say may be perceived, what we watch may be perceived, what practice, how that may be perceived. So in some sense, he's talking about preferences. The reason I know that is because he says at the end to see this appendix on navigating the gray areas. Um, one way we walk in truth is we just regard our words before people, and we're willing to give up on our preferences if that's the case. Um, we hold our preferences rightly. We allow others to hold their preferences rightly. Um, and walking in truth is going to, again, render judgments that lead to peace. It's going to lead to peace amongst people, and so that's what we want. That's our highest motivation. It's not about what I can do, what I can say. It's about what's going to be most pleasing within the body of Christ. And what are we? Paul said it in 1 Corinthians 4. We didn't read it. At the end of the day, we're servants, stewards of God's household. And that's the understanding uh, that we walk in. So we've got some discussion questions. I decided to do a few less today. And the reason I did that one, so that everybody could see them on the screen. Um, But two... I wanted us to spend a little more time, uh, and this is good because I think we got enough guys at the table, just praying for one another and what's going on in our life and just to care for one another in, in that way. So maybe spend a, a few more minutes than normal just kind of asking and then praying for one another. Uh, and then the first two questions <coughs> will probably be broad enough that you could talk for a little bit about them. So let me pray, and then we'll have our discussion. Father, we come to you, and we do ask that you would search our hearts Test us, know us, um, and Father, that you would show us anything that ought not to be there and and lead us in the way that is everlasting. Uh, Father, we thank you that we are filled in a a room, a group of men who love the truth, um, who've been created anew in uh, the holiness of truth. And so, Father, with those desires, we're able to speak the truth in love to, to one another and to build one another up. Um, and so, Lord, as you form us into the image of your Son, make us more useful in this way. Uh, give us wisdom in, in this way. And because we're all coming out of lifestyles that have used our words in deceptive ways, in hurtful ways, in ways that we're not honoring to you, in ways that we're selfish. And all of that we want to put off and we want to have as the highest motivation um, the glory of your name and, and, the, and love for others. And so, Father, be with us as we go to our tables now. We commit that time to you as well. We pray this in your name. Amen.